Hello and welcome to the Happy Dog Podcast. This is our mini series all about separation anxiety. And today we're going to talk about what else could it be? So as we've learned in previous episodes, the a lot of the, the um, diagnosis around separation anxiety comes from behaviours that the dog exhibits only when they're home alone. But these behaviours can be a little bit complicated in as much as we see them all of the time. We see dogs barking all the time. Dogs have accidents all the time. They can destroy things all the time. And so when it comes to defining whether they've got separation anxiety or not, it can be a bit tricky. So today we're going to talk through the main other reasons that dogs can display these behaviours and kind of work out whether they are separation related or not. So one of the big things that I always look at when we're dealing with is it separation anxiety is does the dog do this at other times? Let's take house training as our first example. So often when we've got a dog who doesn't cope at home alone, we will see toileting. We'll see toileting, we'll come home to accidents, which is frustrating from an owner's point of view. I'm sure it's frustrating from a dog's point of view too, but we'll never know. <laughs> so how do we know if that accident is due to the dog not coping home alone or whether it's due to incomplete house training? Is it due to punishment-based techniques when the dog was being house trained so they've just learned to hide it? Well, this is where diving into each individual element of the dog separation related behaviours is really important. So with house training, is your dog fully house trained? Can you leave them for four hours? When you're home alone, can you leave them four hours without them needing to go to the toilet? Can you um, be 100% confident if you go to someone else's house that they're not going to have an accident? Do they always ask to go out to the garden when they need to go out? Are they always toileting on the walks? Or do you sometimes find an accident behind the sofa? Or if you go to someone else's house, they don't know how to ask to go out. Or are you feeling that you're managing the house training more so? So is it that you think, oh God, the dog's not been out for a while, so I need to take them out? Are they better when they're home with one person rather than another? House training is fully complete when the dog always asks to go outside no matter who is in charge, they have no accidents in the house unless they're unwell and they are happy to go to the toilet in front of you. So this, this bit is of no shade towards anyone, but sometimes what happens with old school dog training methods is when the dog has an accident in the home, there's punishment involved. The dog gets told off somehow used to be that we used to rub their nose in it or we would smack them or I don't know loads of other things rolled up newspaper used to always be a thing so the dog would go to the toilet in the house in front of their owner and get into a lot of trouble for it so what can happen with that is that the dog learns if you're not around 
I can go to the toilet. There's no punishment, nothing. And there's no negative consequence. And going to the toilet when you really need a wee, going to the toilet is like a relief, isn't it? So there's kind of this reinforcement element to it. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Go to the toilet. Uncomfortable feeling has gone. More likely to go to the toilet again in the future. When there's punishment involved, the punishment is only effective if it's given out. So if the dog learns that actually going to the toilet when you're not around or when they can't see you or you can't see them means that they get the relief from going to the toilet, but they are not punished at the same time. This can mean that when you're not in the house, the dog feels comfortable and is able to go to the toilet within the house. It doesn't mean that they've got separation anxiety. It just means that you're not there to dish out the punishment. And as a consequence, they learn that this is a safe time to go to the house, uh, go to sorry, go to the toilet in the house. So if you're finding accidents sporadically, hidden away, often they're under tables, behind things, in rooms away from you, you just need to think back through could it potentially, if you've got a really sensitive dog and one time, because this is sometimes all it can take, one time they went to the loo in front of you and out of sheer frustration, you shouted at them, told them off, smacked their bum. Sometimes with some dogs, this can be a little bit of a consequence of that one time when you were having a rubbish day and the dog just pushed you a little bit too far. So just really, really be self-critical and think, is the dog fully house trained? Am I super confident that they're fully house trained? Could there be any potential for um, the, the fact that they don't feel comfortable going to the toilet in front of me? Another sign, actually, just while I think about it, is that dogs won't toilet in front of you on walks. So they won't toilet in front of you in the garden. It's not just, just confined to the home. Sometimes it's... Um, other environments it's just kind of the act of toileting in front of you it's a little bit worrisome so a lot of the time owners will say they don't go to the toilet on walks or if I'm out in the garden they won't go to the toilet they'll go out in the garden and if I'm not there that's when they go to the toilet so just be really aware of of that and and, and kind of be self-aware of it as well we've all had days where the dogs just pushes a bit too far and we do things that maybe we're not proud of Maybe we wouldn't do normally, but, and I'm not going to criticise anyone for that because we've all been there, but we just have to really think about it. If your dog's, if you're going out and coming home to a mess every time, is it separation anxiety or is there a potential that it could just be that you're not there and so the dog feels more comfortable going to the toilet in that situation? Okay, so... Another reason that we see some of the behaviours listed as separation-related distress can be boredom and frustration. A lot of the time, dogs, because they're such social animals, they just don't like being home alone, and so they get bored. Just like you or I, if we didn't have anything to entertain ourselves and we were left home alone for long enough, we're going to find something to do to entertain. I've had friends, because it's not, not something I would do, but I've had friends who, you know, their partner's gone away and they've redecorated the whole of downstairs in a weekend because they were bored. Or you find yourself doing some work out of hours. Or, oh, there's so many different things that people end up doing, pulling all of the Tupperware out of the cupboard, 
rearranging the Tupperware cupboard or the spice rack or some really random job um, because they haven't really got anything else to do. It's a rainy day. They're home alone. They end up doing stuff or you end up doing stuff or I end up doing stuff that maybe you'd never, ever do at any other time. But kind of boredom creeps in. You've done all the nice jobs. So then you're like, oh, well, I might as well do this one. And dogs are the same. If they're not tired, if they're not ready for a sleep when you're not there, if they've not been well walked, well exercised, had some training, maybe some enrichment, maybe some scent work, and they're a young, particularly young, active breed, being home alone, away from you, away from their family, is going to be really boring. And they're going to find stuff to do. So you can either leave stuff out for them to do safely, Kongs, canine connectables, that kind of thing that are safe to be left with the dog when they're on their own. Obviously, you need to test all of this beforehand. And then are they focusing on that? If there's enrichment available, is that something that they're really focusing on? Or are they still destroying things? Is the destruction focused on the exit points of your home or is it just random stuff? So what we want to do, we don't necessarily want to be exhausting the dog physically. We don't want them to be necessarily running and running and running and running and running. But maybe what we do want to do is make sure that their breakfast every day is fed in a really interactive way so that they are mentally tired, brain tired rather than limb tired. Um, So enrichment feeding at all times is high on my list of things to do but specifically in a morning if you know your dog's going to be left for periods of time frustration can also creep in if you think about how frustrating it is when you can't be near people you want to be near this can help you to understand the central role frustration can play in the formation of social attachments so the more you become frustrated by an activity or a goal the harder it is to let go of that. So some of the evidence has shown that both frustration and discomfort may contribute to enhancing social attachment and the dependency on those people. So the most common response to a situation where a a desirable goal, such as getting back to your owners, is obstructed because you shut the door, is to persist or try harder to get to that end goal. If that is unsuccessful, so they can't get to you, then frustration can exacerbate separation-related distress and promotes efforts to gain that social connection. So unwanted behaviours associated with separation anxiety, such as barking and destructiveness, can be motivated by frustration and frustrative arousal. As frustration gets more, then the behaviours also become more problematic, more compulsive, stronger in nature, more destructive. Um, And that can be a real issue around separation-related distress. So the way that I treat separation-related distress, whether the dog is frustrated because they can't get to you or whether they're anxious, the treatment is actually the same. So although we'll want to distinguish, or I will want to distinguish between the two, ultimately the treatment is the same. 
because we want to reduce that frustration we want to reduce the anxiety and we want to teach the dog alternative coping mechanisms to deal with that separation related distress noise sensitivity is a real comorbid problem with dogs so comorbid means that things happen together we often see dogs who have got separation related stress they also have noise sensitivity and this kind of manifests itself through barking at noises in the environment on a regular basis. What we need to look at is, does the dog respond to noises all of the time or is it predominantly when they're home alone? So again, this kind of goes back to the house training thing, doesn't it? Does the dog perform these behaviours all of the time or just at certain times when you're not there? You can have a dog who's got separation related distress and a dog who has noise sensitivity at the same time. One would exacerbate the other. But with noise sensitivity on its own, without a separation related distress, we would only see barking at noises outside of the home whenever they occur, whether you are there or not, and potentially no other noises combined within that. So we will always look at when people walk past your home what does your dog do um what does your dog do when they're home alone do they bat an eyelid or is the barking to alert you is it your response in some ways exacerbates the noise sensitivity so you have to again look at is the behavior only occurring when the dog is home alone or is it also occurring when people are around and what are people's responses to that behavior because if it's slightly attention seeking that's going to mean that the dog will only really want to behave it when you're there because you can't give them attention when you're not and maybe when you're not there there's a level of frustration that click that creeps in when someone walks past that they've got they go oh that's my signal to get attention oh, there's no one here to get attention. That's frustrating. We get into a cycle. It's really complicated. It's much more complicated. The more you delve into it, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, the more complicated this gets. It's just joyous. Crate training. Uh, I'm not a fan of crate training for separation-related behaviours. Um, I think crate training is a good tool for many dogs. I don't think it's suitable for all dogs. I don't think it's suitable for all situations. I think if a dog is anxious when they're home alone, crate training is not a solution, nor really should it be part of a plan. Instead, I think that it should be more about giving the dog more space. Um, crate training takes a really long time to work through. A lot of the time people think they can bring a puppy home, just pop it in a crate and it'll be fine. And then we get a lot of separation related distress because they're confined in a strange space that they do not feel comfortable in. Then they get left in there for longer and longer and longer periods of time. Often overnight, people will get away with it because the dog is tired. But during the day, it's really frustrating. There's a lot of noises going on and there's a lot of FOMO, a lot of fear of missing out going on as well. And the crate training that I would recommend takes days if not weeks to work through so that the dog is so happy about being in that crate that they choose to go in it all of the time if dogs are placed in the crate and are unhappy with being in the crate then the behaviors that they display to try and get out of it 
are barking, escape attempts, clawing at the bars, trying to dig their way out, biting at the bars, howling, all of those behaviours that we see, destroying anything and everything that's within their crate. All of those behaviours that we see when dogs are unhappy being home alone. So if you want to crate train your dog or your puppy, then do that. Take your time, build it up really slowly. Don't rush into it. And then at the same time, you want to make sure that they're happy being left, gradually increasing how long that they're left in their crate for on their own. But I would suggest if you have a dog who is struggling out of the crate home alone, putting them in a crate is only going to exacerbate that fear, even if you work through that crate training really systematically. And I would suggest that instead of worrying about crate training a dog who's anxious home alone, what we really want to be doing instead is just working on them having a little bit more freedom and being happy and content in that space. Because a lot, I think a lot of people worry when you've got a dog who's slightly destructive or really destructive when they're home alone, you think, well, I'll put them in a crate and when they're in the crate, they can't cause any damage to my home. But the damage is actually being caused or the dog is damaging or destroying things to either alleviate feelings of stress or to escape to get back to you. And if we can get dogs to be happy and content in that space, they won't need to destroy things and then your home will be safe and secure. By putting them in a crate, we're either delaying the problem or making the problem worse because we're not giving them any space. My dogs love to follow the sun around. So I'll quite often find them in different sleeping positions, depending on what time of the day I come home. Because especially Millie, my spaniel, she is a sun worshipper. She will follow that sun round all day long. So if she was in a crate and the sunshine was two meters to one side of her, she's going to find that really frustrating that she doesn't have the autonomy to be able to go and move and lay in that space in the sunshine. So by giving dogs more space, they have more options. Maybe they want to be in a cool spot. That's more Stanley. He would rather be out of the sun sometimes, in the sun sometimes. He doesn't like getting too hot. So he will generally move to be out of the sun. He would be frustrated if he was in a crate in the sunshine. If I just hadn't realised that in June, the sun actually hits there at the warmest part of the day, for example. So what we really want to be looking at is where does the dog want to be? Do they want to be in their crate? Because if they do, I don't have a problem with it. But if they don't want to be in their crate, where do they want to be? Do they like being in the kitchen where it's cooler? Do they like being in the lounge where there's the sofas that they can sleep on? And that's going to help your separation journey more than trying to work on crate training and building up um that i'm i'm always saying to people we're going to put loads of work into crate training we might as well just put that work into having the dog a little bit freer in the home and by working through the separation anxiety training correctly and working through it systematically we're not going to see any destruction because we should always be working at a level that the dog can cope with so when if you're listening to this because you've got a dog with separation anxiety think about what behaviors do they display when they're home alone then think about what else could they be related to? Is it that 90% of the time they're absolutely silent and occasionally they bark? Is that because someone walks past? Is that the delivery driver? Is it the postman? Is it doors banging? Is it that they're having toilet training accidents? Are they fully toilet trained? 
Do they toilet in front of you normally? Is there something else going on there? So there's lots and lots of reasons. You just, we, well, you just, or if you want to work with me, we just have to work through them all so that we know that what we're dealing with is separation anxiety and that there's no other contributing factors. And if there are, then we can work through those. But we just need to do it at a way that we're being fair to the dog and we're really setting them up for success. So go away now, have a think about it, jot things down and then work out what it could be. Okay, so this is the end of this episode. And in a couple of weeks time, we're going to be doing a Q&A session. So don't forget to send me any questions that you have relating to separation anxiety. Uh, the best place to pop them really is on my Instagram, which is pooches.galore. Um, or you can email them over to me. It's kim at pooches.galore.co.uk. Um, and I will make a list of all of them. I've just started to compile them. So uh, get them through to me in plenty of time so I can record the episode and get that out to you. I hope you've enjoyed. I hope it's given you some kind of food for thought as to what's going on with your dog when they're home alone. And maybe you've gone, actually, yeah, it definitely is separation anxiety because X, Y, and Z. And then we've got a plan for you. All right. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.